Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Good morning, everybody. Pray you're doing well. I know you're enjoying the weather. Thank you for coming here instead of going to the lake. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, we want to welcome you. Welcome you to Cedar Rapids as well. We're glad you're joining us, and we're so, we're so thankful for you guys up there and for your faithfulness and what you're doing up there in Cedar Rapids. Bless you guys, and all of you here. We're just so glad that you're here this morning with us as well. You know, the band, there's a band called Green Day, and uh, they wrote a song uh, called 21 Guns. I don't encourage you to listen to Green Day necessarily, but there's a song that they wrote called 21 Guns, and the opening line of that song says this. Do you know what's worth fighting for when it's not worth dying for? Do you know what's worth fighting for when it's not worth dying for? And I'm not exactly sure what Green Day was referring to there, but I do know by experience and I just know in life that there are a lot of things that we chase after. There are a lot of things that we, we pursue. And at the end of the day, they're really not worth giving our lives for, but we will pursue them. But we also know that there are a lot of things in life, there are, and maybe not a lot, maybe fewer things in life that we can chase after, that we fight for, and that they're also worth dying for. Today we're kicking off a series called Eight Hills, and we call our values here the eight hills that, that we will die on. Um, I know it sounds kind of morbid, and I, I, you know, I've had a fight for that title with our, with our creative team because they're like, this is kind of, it's kind of negative. No, it's not negative. It's real. It's the stuff that we, that we embrace, that we have decided that they're worth, it's worth fighting for. In fact, this series is a way of saying, this is us. And so over the next eight weeks, you're going to get to know a little bit about what, the things that we're passionate about, the things that we're, that we're chasing after, the things that we think are, are of, of utmost importance for us. And we will even use a, the, the, the phrase, they're worth dying for, right? Because values are more than just these feely, mushy kind of feelings, these nice sentiments that we can put up on a board, and it sounds great. It's more than that for us. They are things that we are going to give our lives for. In fact, this week as I was uh, preparing for this message, I was thinking <clears throat> about one of my missionary heroes. Um, his name is Jim Elliott. Uh, Jim Elliott was a missionary in the 1950s to South America, and, uh, and he specifically felt a calling to reach a, a very primitive tribe called the Auca Indians. They were in the, between Colombia and, 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 and Ecuador and Venezuela, that in that corner there. And um, <clears throat> he felt this, this compulsion, this, this drive to, to reach these Indians, and they did many trips into the, in, in, into, uh, into the jungles there trying to just connect with them. He felt that he had to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. He ends up dying at the end of a spear along with four of his other colleagues there on, this, on the banks of a river. He was only 29 years old when he gave his life. 29. Now anybody that knew Jim Elliott prior to going to South America would have said that Jim Elliott was a, br- a brilliant, very intelligent, very, uh, 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 had a lot of, talent and abilities, had the potential of actually even, one person said, even being a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. 
He had it going for him. And yet, at the age of 29, his life is over. <clears throat> eight years before, eight years before he gave his life, when he was 21 years old, he was in prayer and having reflection and just seeking God, and he prophetically, he prophetically penned these words. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. At the age of 21, he had perspective of what's worth fighting for and what's worth dying for. And so I guarantee you, if you have a conversation with Jim Elliott today in heaven, he's not going to say, man, I just wasted my life. I shouldn't have done that. He spent his life in a, in, in a cause that's worth even dying for. And so that's what we've decided to do here with, our, with this series, to talk about things that are worth dying for. If you're new to Life Church, it's perfect timing for you because you get to hear about the things that we're passionate about, the things that, we're gonna, that we embrace around here. It'll help you understand certain things that we do you know, as you walk around the building, as you interact with different people, as you, as you see how we do worship and all the different things, it'll help you understand it a little bit better. So it's good that you, you've come at this time and are visiting at this time. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect time. If you're a regular attender, then it's good for us every once in a while to be reminded. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we taking up space here on this block? Why are we sucking in air every second? Why are we doing this? And so I want to encourage you. So our first value that we're going to talk about today, the first hill that we're going to talk about is biblical truth. And it's not accidental, it's not coincidental that this is our very first value. Uh, it's something that we firmly believe. It's basically, the, it's basically the grid by which we measure everything, okay? It's biblical truth. And it goes like this. The Bible presents a dangerous message. Now, I have been challenged. I can't tell you, you know, we started Life Church 15 years ago. And when we first started Life Church, this was our value. This was one of our values. And I have been challenged so many times on the word dangerous. Why do you say dangerous? I mean, isn't the gospel precious and loving and caring and all that? Yes, it's all of that. But it's a dangerous message because it's going to cost you something to follow Jesus Christ. It's risky. In fact, some of you understand this. Some of you, when you gave your life to Jesus and you began to allow the scriptures to, 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 to shape how you view things and how you live your life, you might have even lost some friends. That's why it's a dangerous message. So the Bible presents a dangerous message of life change. We expect that there's going to be change as we, as we engage with the scriptures. We believe the Bible is God's inerrant truth, and it's the foundation of everything we do. That's a big statement, and we work hard at this. Now, we're not perfect. We're on a journey. We're seeking to get to this place where we can live this out, flesh this out perfectly. But that's the, that's the desire. That's the goal. That's the end game for us, all right? And so <clears throat> you need to know something about me. Um, I love the scriptures, I have spent the better part of my life since I was 19 years old studying this book. So now that's almost 40 years for me. And I have devoured it, I've read it, I've not only read it like 
devotionally, which I do on a daily basis, but I've, I've actually studied, I've gone to seminary, I've written, I've written research papers on it. I don't want to write any more research papers, but I have done all that stuff. And so I value knowing this book. But here's what you've got to understand. I value more the application of the knowledge of this book. So it's great. So don't come and say, man, I just know this scripture. Are you putting it into practice? Are you doing it? It's not just enough that you know it. You must actually practice it. You must actually do it. So we're going to look at a familiar parable. And uh, this parable that we're going to look at comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Probably Jesus' most famous sermon. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's his longest sermon for sure. And he is... I mean, radical in some of the claims that he makes in the Sermon of the Mount. It's radical for us. If you go back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you're going you're to be challenged. There's going to be, a, as you read it, you're going to sit there and read it and say, man, I've got to start doing that in my life. I've got to start practicing this in my life. I've got to start following these teachings in my life. You're going to be challenged in that way. If it's challenging for us, let me tell you something. It was a hundred times more challenging for his audience back then. Because it was not how they operated. They did not have a Christian worldview as many of you in this room might have right now. So it was incredibly challenging. He just blew their mind with, with these new ideas of how they, could, how they could and how they should live. He said things like, when somebody angers you, turn the other cheek. Like normally, when somebody angers me, I'm ready to, my fist clench and I'm ready to give them a, a right hook. You know, that's, that's normal. But Jesus said, don't do that. Turn the other cheek. He says, I want you to be extraordinarily generous. And so explain that. So you imagine this audience are like, they're, they're taking notes. Okay, be generous. What does that mean? He says, well, when somebody asks you for something, just give it to them. Just give it to them. I'm like, man, that's hard as I'm writing notes, you know. Then Jesus says, hey, I want you to forgive no matter what. They're writing notes like, what? Forget this. I'm just going to throw these notes away. I'm not even, even going to take notes anymore. Because who does that? Who forgives no matter what? I mean, when, when you've been insulted, when it's not even your fault, when somebody's done something to you, what do you mean forgive? Jesus says, listen, man. You want to follow me? You just need to forgive. He says, I want you Listen to this. I want you to pursue the people who have wronged you. Not sit back and wait for them to show up and say, hey, I'm sorry. Not sit with your friends and talk about that person who wronged you. They did something really bad to you and just sit there and talk and gossip about them. Jesus said, listen, if somebody's wronged you, you take the first step. You step out. You go and, and talk to them and make things right. I mean, this is radical stuff that Jesus is presenting. He says, I want you to treat everybody the way you want to be treated, including your enemy. He said, like, anybody could say this. I want you to treat everybody the way you want to be treated. If you're, of course, you're going to treat your friends the way your friends treat you because they treat you nice, right? But then Jesus adds this little piece. He says, even your enemies. In fact, while you're at it, just pray for your enemies. Who does that? How many of you in this room have prayed for your enemy this morning? Don't raise your hand. Okay, you'd be the only one, <laughs> probably, <laughs> right? Who does this stuff? This is radical what Jesus is presenting. He's raising the standard. And so this people, this audience, as they're, 
as they're listening to him, they're beginning to like say, man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I have the capacity. I mean, if I were that generous, if I were that ethical, if I were that moral, if I were that good, man, my life would be completely different. But I just don't know that I can do this. Now, this is what he presents in the Sermon on the Mount, these incredible standards. And then to cap it off, he ends the sermon with this parable. It's like to make the point about the sermon he just preached. He ends with this parable that we're going to look at today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the point of the parable in advance so that as we're talking through the parable, you understand what we're talking about. But this is the point of the parable. <clears throat> you will never regret, you will never regret organizing your life around the teachings of Jesus. We can substitute teachings of Jesus around God's word. You will never regret organizing your life around the teachings of Jesus. Like, they, they've been, he's just taught them. He's told them some pretty radical stuff. And, uh, and now they are having to say, should I do this or should I not do this? And Jesus is basically going to give them this parable and say, yes, you should. You should this. You will never regret. If you do, the things I tell you, you'll never regret doing that. Right? And as difficult as it, as it is, as counterculture as it is, as odd as it may be, you'll be glad that you organize your life around the teachings of Jesus. And that's really our value of biblical truth. When we say here it's the foundation of everything we do, we're not just talking about you know, how we decorate this building or some of the, some of the more inconsequential things of this, of, this, of this church. We're talking about us as a body, as a community of faith, that our passion, our desire, first and foremost, is a biblical, value, is biblical truth. That our passion and our desire is that all of us as a community will organize our lives around the teachings of Jesus. So we say oftentimes, come just as you are, but don't stay that way. That's what we mean. Come just as you are because there is grace to be found at the foot of the cross. Anybody can come, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've fallen, you can come to the cross and you will find grace and you will be forgiven of your sin. But guess what? Then Jesus wants to pick you up and he wants you to start organizing your life around his teachings so you can become exactly what he has always called you to become. <clears throat> so we're going to look at this parable and what we're going to see, it's not that Jesus is trying to mess with your life. He's not trying to disrupt your fun, your, 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 excite, your, your exciting fun that you have in life. He's not trying to disrupt that. He's, he's trying to show and prove to you that he loves you. That when you enter into a relationship with him, he has this passion for you to see you succeed. We sang that song, The Blessing, and in that, song, that refrain, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you. That is a truth. That is a solid, solid truth that God is for you. And so anything that he calls you to do, he invites you to do, he asks of you, is because he is for you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to succeed in life. He wants you to have the best marriage you could possibly have. He wants you to raise the greatest kids you'll, anybody will ever dream of having. He wants you to have a job that's, that's fulfilling and, and life, life transforming for you. I mean, he wants the best for you. So he invites you into this journey of organizing your life around his teachings. <clears throat> so Matthew 7, 
We're going to start with verse 24. He says, therefore, this is kind of a transition word. He's leaving the sermon. He's now going to give this parable. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Practice. <laughs> okay. That's our word right there. Okay. It's not good enough just to know. You actually have to do it. Right? <clears throat> everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's about doing something. It's about obedience. It's about a lifestyle. In other words, Jesus is calling all of us into a brand new lifestyle. That when you accepted Jesus Christ for the, for the very first time, I remember when I first came to faith in Jesus, I was 19 years old. I was a little rebellious kid, drug addicted kid. And there was a lot of transformation that had to happen in my life. A lot of things had to change. I mean, I my mouth wasn't right. The things I would say with my mouth wasn't right. Uh, I didn't understand a lot of things. And there was a transformation that needed to happen. And when I accepted Jesus, I accepted this invitation to a brand new lifestyle. It didn't happen overnight. It took time. And this is what we're going to see in this parable, right? Um, so he says, therefore, anyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man... Okay, here's the parable. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is Jesus' way of saying that everybody who does what he says, who does what he teaches, is really wise. Or his way of saying, he's really, you're really, really smart. Because we use the word wise, we think only older people are wise. But you could be younger and wise, biblically speaking. This means you're really smart. You made some really good decisions. Now, when Jesus said this, he says, when he says, if you obey my words, it's like building your house on a rock. The audience there that are listening to him are like, well, duh, of course. Of course you build your house on something solid. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that if you're going to build your house, you have to find, you're going to dig and dig until you hit something firm, and then you're going to put your foundation there. That's how you build a house. Everybody knows this. But Jesus is about to tell a story of a guy who wants to build his house by a beach, but decides instead of building it on the sand by the beach, he's going to move it up shore a little bit till he finds something solid. Again, these audience, they know this, right? I mean, they know. They, they say, who wouldn't go through all that's required to build a house that's on a solid foundation? I mean, who wouldn't go through the time necessary? It takes a lot of time. The expense, it's a lot of expense in building a solid foundation. Who wouldn't, you know, go through the trouble? I mean, it's, it's work to do this. That your house is sitting on something that will not change, that will not shift, that is solid. So Jesus basically compares obedience to him to that of building a house. You're really smart if you do this. You're really smart. Before you start picking the granite countertops or the flush-mounted sinks, or the high-end LED lighting in the house, before you do all of that stuff, you're going to make sure the foundation, that the concrete below is solid. This is common knowledge. Everybody knows this, he says. Of course they know this. It's smart to do what Jesus says. And then verse 25 says, when the rain came, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had a foundation, it had its foundation on the rock. Listen, you don't need me to tell you this, but you, you're going to experience storms in life. You are. Life is not always going to go the way you expected. 
All of us are going to experience storms in life, right? People are going to break their promises to you. They are. He's going to not be exactly what you expected him to be. Your kids may or may not, may not turn out well. Your career might go the way you planned or may not go the way you planned. I mean, these things happen. You, you, you know, you never thought you were going to talk, be talking about cancer in your life. Life happens. You cannot control whether a pandemic strikes, for example. That's just life. And Jesus understands this, and that's why he says, listen, I love you, and in this world, you're going you're gonna to have trouble. You're going to have storms. Things are going to come your way. And when it happens, I want your house, i.e. your life, it's going to get shaken. I want it to stand. I want it to stay firm. I don't want it to fall apart when the storms come in life. And this is essentially what Christ is talking to us about. Like he says, look, I love you. And I'll be able, you know, I want you to be able to withstand the storms of life. Like you're going to have some marriage storms. You're going to have some kids storms in your life. You're going to have some, you know, you're going to have some storms, financial storms in your life. And so if your house is built on a solid foundation, then it's going to stand. It's going to stand, right? And so what Jesus is telling us is that the best preparation for your future, all of us, and you, you came in here at a point in time in your life. Every one of us, right? None of us can go back to yesterday and change what happened yesterday. All of us are now looking towards the future. And he's saying to us today, on this day, the best preparation for your future is to start now making sure that you have a solid foundation. And what Christ, what I'm saying is that that's when you're organizing your life around his teachings. Then he goes on, he tells the other half of the parable, verse 26, he says, but, but, here's a contrast, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not, okay, there's a person who does and then a person who does not, who does not put them into practice, in other words, you're not, you don't do what I'm telling you to do, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So Jesus calls you and I a fool if we decide to do our life our own way. If you decide to do your marriage, if you decide to do your finances, if you decide to do your dating, or whatever else you do, if you decide to do that in your own way, Jesus says, you're foolish to do that. Because your house, your life is not going to stand. And nobody does that anyways. Now, actually, everybody, a lot of people do that. But biblically speaking, who does that? Who builds intentionally their foundation on shaky ground? If you knew that on the front end, if you knew on the front end that, hey, I'm going to put, I'm going to invest money and time and effort into this foundation, but as soon as the storm hits, it's going to fall, would you do it? Would you? Probably everybody in this room said, absolutely not, I wouldn't do it. And yet, that's what we do in life. And Jesus says, it's foolish to do that. It's foolish to try to build your marriage on your own understanding, on your own wisdom. It's foolish to think, hey, you have total understanding of how you should do your financial world, so you're just going to do it on your, with your own ideas. It's foolish to think, hey, I know what's best to how to raise my kids, and I don't know what Jesus says, but I'm going to just do whatever I want to do. It's foolish to do that. <clears throat> you see, obedience, not simply belief in what makes, is, is really what makes all the practical difference in the world. It's obedience. Now, let me clarify something here. When I... I want to make sure that we're not, 
we're on the same page. We're not talking about salvation. I'm not saying that the only way you can be saved is if you follow these, do all of this stuff. Every, every one of us can come to the cross. We come to the cross empty-handed. We have nothing to give, nothing to offer. We're sinners. And every one of us are saved solely by grace, by the work that Jesus did on the cross, by him coming back to life again and thus giving us power to be able to live the lives that he calls us to live. And so our salvation is rock solid secure the day you and I say, I believe. I believe. So I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about right now is the outcome of your life. Once you said, I believe, what happens next? What's the transformation process in your life? And what makes all the practical difference in your life is simply obedience to Christ. Say, I'll do what you want me to do. So he goes on, Matthew verse, uh, chapter seven, verse 27, he says, the rain came down. Notice earlier he talked about the rain coming down. He says it again. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. His point here is that the same storm, both of these houses had the same storm, same wind, same water, same issues coming against the house, but this particular house fell with a great crash. Now, this parable that Jesus is telling us right now is going to strike us all in one of three ways. For some of us, it's going to be a comfort. For other, other of us in this room, it's going to be a warning. And then for others in this room, it's, it's an explanation. It's a comfort because years ago, you decided to organize your life around the teachings of Jesus, right? You decided that, that Jesus is your Lord. He's your Savior, you're going to follow him. You're going to dedicate your life to him. So you decided to handle your money the way he, he intends you to handle your money. You're going to handle your marriage the way he intends you to handle your marriage. You're going to handle your raising of your kids the way he intends you to handle the raising of your kids. It, it informed how you, how you, your ethics, how you relate to people at work, how you speak to other people, truth telling and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff was informed when you decided to give your life to Jesus and you've decided to organize your life around his teachings. And so this message, this parable, is probably a comfort to you, right? It's Jesus' way of saying, you're really, really smart. You made a wise, a wise decision because storms are going to come. And when storms come, I want your house to stand. I want your life to stand. So some of you here, you've been extraordinarily generous, You've been extraordinarily generous. You have accepted what Jesus talks about, generosity and giving, and you've been extraordinarily generous. And so when that storm comes and suddenly you hit this financial bump in life, you can with confidence say, God, I've trusted you all these years. I continue to trust you with my finances. I know you'll take care of them. Maybe, you know, in your relationship, you hit a relational bump, right? And and you can say, God, to the best of my ability, I've organized my dating. I've organized my, my marriage. I've organized raising my children according to what you taught in scriptures. And therefore, God, I'm trusting you with my relationships. And so this is, this is a comfort to you, right? See, Jesus promises that your life will stand through all of these storms because you have organized your life around his teachings. For others of you, this is a warning and mostly it's a warning for those of us that are, those of us, I'm not the us, but the younger group. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe you're 25 or 30 and you're thinking, hey, yeah, Rich, I, I get it. I know, I know, I know I need to do all these things, but man, I've got time. I can do it later. You know, I don't have to do this right now. I mean, 
I can, I can just, I can wait till later. And if this is you, then I hope you're hearing this message today as a warning. I hope you're hearing it as a warning. See, as a single person, you're laying a foundation right now for your future marriage. As a young married couple, you're laying a foundation right now for what your marriage is going to look like 25 years from now. We've been, Christy and I, we've been married for almost 34 years. And, or 34 years, sorry. We've been married for 34 years. <laughs> I didn't forget. <laughs> she looked at me and smiled. I was like, yeah, 34 years. At least I didn't say 30 or something like that. Anyways, <clears throat> you know, you're laying a foundation for your future marriage. For what it's going to look like 25 years from now. The way you are building your foundation today is what it's going to look like. 25 years from now. Financially, you're laying a foundation right now. So, and if you lay a foundation that's contrary to what Jesus teaches, then eventually the storm's gonna come. And that house is not gonna stand. And it's not like Jesus is trying to say, listen, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> that's not Jesus. He's not like, I'm gonna get you for not doing what I told you to do. It's not that at all. He, he is, is this loving he said, we have a loving Heavenly Father that just wants us to, to he, he wants his best for us. And he's going to compel you, and he's gonna, but he can't make you do anything. And so if things start falling apart, it's just really the consequences of a poorly laid foundation. You see, most of us are like, I know, but I'm young, and yeah, I see some clouds out there. I see some storm clouds out there, but I see a lot of blue sky, and so maybe later, later I'll do it, later I'll do it. See, and I think what Jesus is trying to say, listen, your time frame is too short. This isn't like you make a decision on Monday, and then Thursday, it all works out. That's not how this is. Foundation building is not that way. And when the storms come, it's a little late to start considering, hey, is my foundation in good shape or not? Right? And so, this might come to you as a warning. And I, you know, this is not normally how I like to speak to you. I know you might, you're sitting there thinking, man, Rich, what happened? Why are you so harsh? I'm not trying to be harsh. I hope you're hearing God's heart on all of this. I've, too many times I've sat in my office and I've had these conversations. Yeah, I shouldn't have gone home with him. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have moved in with her. I shouldn't have leased that. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. And I hear that, and, I, and my heart goes out. But I can't change any of it. Like, regret, there is no practical benefit to the regret. And so the only thing we could talk about is the now. And what are you doing now to build the right foundation and organize your life around the teachings of Jesus? Now, for some of you, it's going to come as an explanation because right now you're in the middle of a major life storm. <clears throat> Things are falling apart. And maybe you're telling yourself, how could God let this happen to me? Why, why, why is it, where's God? Why, why has he abandoned me? Where, why is he not letting, why is he interfering in what's going on in my life? And really all of it's just really a result of a poorly laid foundation. And so I'm not, this is not really meant to condemn, it's just simply an explanation. It's just an explanation of what's happening. And this is why so many people generally at this point in their life is when they usually give their lives to Jesus, when things fall apart. Some of you in this room, you remember that. 
You remember you had just gone through a divorce, and man, your life was just turned upside down, and, and you, somebody told you, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And you went to church, and, and hope was offered through Jesus Christ, and you said, Lord, I give you my life, and you started building a foundation that's going to stand. There's a lot of people that respond to the gospel at this time. So it boils down to this. Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? Jesus would say to you and me, would you trust me? Would you be willing to build your life on my teachings, on the things that I instruct? Are you willing to do that? If you're willing to do that, your house will stand. Are you willing to reorganize your life around what he teaches? Your, your relationships, your child raising, your financial world, your ethics at work. I mean, we can go on and on. Jesus talks up about all of those things in, in the Sermon on the Mount. If you're here today and for you this has been kind of a warning because you've just been kind of playing, well, now you've heard it. And um, now there's basically a decision to make. You just have to choose, do I trust Jesus or not? For those of you that this has served as an explanation, the good news is that there is good news. <laughs> That's the good news. That Jesus takes us no matter how far we've fallen, no matter how bad we've messed up, that we can always come to him with hands open like this and say, God, I just don't have nothing to give, so will you fill me with your life? And in an instant, he will do it. Now, I can't tell you that all the mess from the past is going to get fixed overnight. Nope. In fact, you're going to probably have to suffer through some of those consequences. But I can tell you this, that if you start building your foundation on that solid rock, you have a future where God is blessing you and your house will stand. And so that's why around here our first value is biblical truth. Because we believe that if we organize our lives around the teachings of this book, our house will stand. So let me put it in, 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 the, in the type of language that we actually identify with. Our life will not fall apart. Amen. Amen.